Good morning, friends. It's me again. If you're able, let's stand together and um, we'll hear the scripture read. It's Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Remain standing as we pray. Lord, you are our Savior. You are the hope of this world. You're the Savior of this world. And Lord, each one of us, Lord, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to consider, Lord, are you our Savior? Lord, we say so. You are good. You are holy. This Christmas we worship and praise you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all God's people shouted with Christmas joy. Amen. Stay standing for just a second. Let me teach you. This is an ancient church uh, kind of a greeting around Christmas. Someone will say Christ is born and you say glorify him. Christ is born. Glorify Christ is born. Christ is born. You may be seated. Let me share with you some stories of some interesting births that have happened throughout recorded history. Um, None of them more interesting than the one we're going to get to today. But uh, there's been some interesting births in recorded history. There's been several moms who have had eight babies at one time. It's called octuplets. A couple years ago, about 10 years ago, a mom had eight babies and her nickname was Octo mom, do you remember this? It was like ten years ago. So that's kind of cool. And in the recorded history, there has been two moms that I could find, at least according to internet searches, that had nine babies at one time. Nine tuplets, nine tuplets. I don't even know how to say it. I couldn't figure it out. There has been uh, uh, records of moms who had had the most babies in their entire life. I'm going to share with you the number, and you are just going to be on the floor. Like, how is this even possible? But in the 17 a Russian woman throughout the course of her life had 
69 babies. <laughs> and you're like, how does the math even work? Because you, know, you can only have babies so many years. Well, she had uh, 16 pairs of twins, seven sets of triplets, and four sets of quadruplets. What in the world? <laughs> The longest labor that has been recorded in modern history, uh, it's, there's some medical things going on. A woman went into labor early, and they put her on bed rest and kind of put her like half upside down. Um, sort of a weird thing. It's happened in 2012. A woman was in labor for 75 days. Oh, my. Last one, uh, kind of Guinness Book of World Record kind of stuff. In 1879, the largest baby that we have on modern record was born. This baby was... <laughs> For some of you, this doesn't make it. If you're like a young man in here, you're like, what is that big? I don't know. What, what is that? Uh, I don't know. Uh, 23 pounds, 9 ounces. That is a toddler. Like, I have a two-year-old son downstairs that weighs something around that. that he's walking and talking. This is, this is, these are stories of some incredible birth stories, some one-of-a-kind birth stories, but none of them compare to the story we are going to get to today, the story of the most unusual, the most miraculous, the most beautiful thing is Mary a virgin having a child. That is today's story. We are going to talk about who Mary is and Jesus, as she is called, the God-bearer. Larry King, the famous um, interviewer that uh, many of you know, uh, interviewed hundreds, thousands of people in his lifetime, one of the best interviewers in modern history, was once asked, who would you want to interview? <laughs> if you could interview anybody who's ever lived, who would you interview? interview? And Larry King, uh, a Jewish man, uh, famously said, if I could interview anyone, I would interview Jesus Christ. And I would want to ask him about the virgin birth. Like, did that really happen? Because in his mind, in a lot of our minds, some of us that are on the outside kind of looking in this Christmas about wondering, what is Christmas all about? That is the keystone. That is the foundation. Was Jesus really who he said he was? If he was born a virgin, well, then that makes him God. Like, who's the father? God. That is our belief. That is our hope that Jesus is God. Amen? Amen. Let me try it over here. Amen? Amen. 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 All right. Let's get down to it. This sermon, of course, has three points. One, two, three. Sometimes not always, but this one does. Uh, the first one is about Mary, the mother of our Lord. The Mary. Uh, the second point is Mary, the, the bearer of God. And the third one, we will talk about something called the Magnificant, which is uh, this poem or this song, this phrase, this uh, thing that Mary says after she uh, meets Elizabeth. She goes into this song. And so we'll talk about what that is. So the very first point this morning, point one of three, is Mary is the mother of our Lord. I'm quoting what Elizabeth says about her when Elizabeth sees Mary for that first time after she is with child. There must have been a deafening silence. If you look in your Bibles between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's something like 400 years between Malachi and the Gospels where the story of God erupts back into angels appearing and God is being born on earth, 100% God, 100% man. But this deafening silence of these 400 years must have been very dark. We don't have any prophets recorded during this time. We don't have any books of the Bible being written during this time. A very quiet time. And then an eruption 
of the Lord's work on earth. The same angel that appeared to Daniel years and years ago, about 500 years before Jesus came, his name is, starts with a G, Gabriel. He came to Daniel, talked about the coming Messiah. Here he is again in the book of Luke, coming and appearing to a young woman. We don't know her age exactly, but every uh, historian that I've looked at says probably on the young end, somewhere between 13, 14 up to 19. This is a very young teenage girl. Mary is is pregnant with child and an angel comes and says, this is of the Lord. And guess what? Another miracle has happened. Your relative, we don't know if it's an aunt or a cousin exactly, your relative Elizabeth, although she is beyond childbearing years, there's a miracle. She is with child. And we know from the rest of the story that that little child will be John the Baptist. And so Mary hears this vision. The angel appears to her. And then it says that she hurries and goes to visit Elizabeth. Two things going on here. One is that the angel mentioned that Elizabeth was pregnant. So Mary probably wanted to go see it for herself. Is this really happening? Is this really true? I need to see Elizabeth. I need to uh, share notes. Like what's going on here? Is this really like go, go. I need to see Elizabeth. And maybe something else going on here uh, is that Mary probably had to flee Here she is, uh, an unmarried woman with child in an ancient world where she was going to get ridiculed and shamed. And there was even threats on her life because she had broken the town's law. She was uh, unmarried and with child. And so it says this, verse 39 in Luke chapter 1, she gets ready. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea. So she's in Nazareth, like north, uh, mid-Israel. So she takes the 80-mile journey. I assume not alone, it doesn't say, but rarely would people travel alone in that day. But she went all the way to Judea, up into the mountains. Uh, Verse 40, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. It leaped in. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 42, in a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you are to bear. And in this verse, and why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord, like Elizabeth realizes who this is standing here and the child in her womb, the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as she heard the sound of the greeting, reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. So the baby leaps, not just a little kick, but this is like a huge motion. I know as a father, I've placed my hand on my wife's belly with all four of our little boys and just been in awe. Like those first moments where like there's a little tiny kick. Wow, their child. This is not a little tiny kick. This is a leaping. Uh, The Holy Spirit is, is filling up these two women. And Mary is about to sing this huge song. We'll get to that in a minute. But what I wanted to look at, if you're underlined things in your Bible, I'm a big fan of that if you have a paper Bible that you actually bring or an app that you can underline things. I, I, I want you to underline to pay particular close attention here that Elizabeth sees Mary and calls out that she is the mother of my Lord. Elizabeth knows who this is. There's a declaration here that in her is the Lord. Like Elizabeth is clear that there's let there not be any mistake on what this is saying here. Sometimes people, I talk to 
uh, uh, people who aren't uh, part of the Christian church, who aren't really a part of Christian belief. As a pastor, you know, conversations usually go something like this. You know, you meet each other. What's your name? Blah, blah, blah. What do you do? And so I get to say, oh, I'm, I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh, well. And then sometimes people just start to, they feel like they need to just tell me what they believe. And, and they have a, like, well, here's what I believe. Let me tell you. Uh, and oftentimes it's something like, um, I, I, believe that um, the Bible doesn't really say that Jesus is Lord, does it? Like people have this misinterpretation, this wrong view that I think it's like been passed down as some sort of a, like an urban legend that in the Bible, it doesn't claim that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus never claimed he was Lord. Is that wrong? Yes, that's wrong. I, I, it's, it's, it's a complete, like, no, it's throughout Scripture, Jesus says he's God. That's very clear. And throughout the stories, like, people see him as God. Here is one example, just one right here, where Elizabeth sees Mary and, and says it. Mary is the mother of my Lord. And so I want to be clear about that, that, that what we believe and hope this Christmas, what we declare as a church, as Christian churches, is that Jesus is God and was God even in Mary's womb. Point number two is this, going right along. If you're writing down things, uh, we'll put it on the board. Mary is chosen to be the bearer of God, to be the God bearer. In fact, this is an ancient, there's an ancient Greek phrase, the God bearer, that I will tell you now. It brings us into a nerd alert. And for some of you that have come to New Life Manitou a long time, you love nerd alerts. I love nerd alerts because it's a time that I just love learning and, and, and getting into the, the nitty gritty of scripture and the Greek and the Hebrew. And, and so I will often warn you with a nerd alert. And then what you'll do is you'll make an alert sound and it's really weird. And if you're new here, I, I apologize. It's just, it's just what we do. So, nerd alert? <laughs> okay. Uh, the nerd alert is uh, that this Greek word God bear is the word theotokos. Have you heard this? Anybody heard this word before? It literally means theo means God. Tokos means to bear. And so Mary is called the theotokos, this God bearer. She is the one that literally holds God in her, gives birth to God, and then like nurses God. And I will ask the question, has anyone, like literally, like thinking like physically, has anyone ever been this close to God? Like consider like if we truly believe that Mary gave birth to God, well then like isn't that Amazing. Isn't she truly the one who was bearing God in her womb? And this whole thing, this virgin birth, becomes very, very important. Did you know, I was, I was looking at this this week, um, that even Muslims believe in the virgin birth? At least three times in the Quran, that's the Muslim holy book, Mary is referred to as the Virgin Mary giving birth to Jesus. Now they do not hold Jesus as God, but Muslims do hold Jesus as a prophet. And I'll tell you something in just a second, there's something very wrong with saying Jesus was a good prophet, a good teacher, but not being a good teacher. I'll talk about this argument called the Lewis Trilemma in just a couple minutes. But I was thinking this week, and I just fell asleep uh, two nights 
nights ago thinking, just like I was just laughing to myself, thinking about a Muslim arguing that the, the Mary is a virgin, arguing with a, like a, a, I don't know what the umbrella is, I guess like a secular liberal Christian, like someone who calls themselves a Christian, but has, has gone this route of like secular humanism and, and a worldview that tries to take the things, the truths of the Bible and say, well, the miracles never happened. And so I imagine a room where a Muslim is, is trying to argue with a Christian. The Muslim is arguing that there is a virgin birth, and the Christian, this liberal secular Christian, is arguing that there isn't a virgin birth. And I just couldn't fall asleep. I was just giggling to myself that this could happen. And, and I, I, to both groups, both this Muslim who would say Jesus was a good teacher but, but not God, and to this secular humanist, a, a Christian, who would say that Jesus taught great things and the Christian message is one of oh, just great, it's wonderful, but neither groups of these two would say that Jesus is God. I would use the argument of the Lewis trilemma, which is an argument that really holds a lot of weight. This will be the second nerd alert. <laughs> the Lewis trilemma goes something like this. Have you heard it before? It's also called the liar, the lunatic lord. Raise your hand if you've heard this argument. Okay, enough of you have that. I'll go over it quickly uh, to remind us that, that this argument, it really doesn't work if someone's like, never heard of Jesus, don't even believe that he ever existed. This argument doesn't really work. It, it just doesn't, it's not a logical progression. But it is a logical progression for someone that says, I know Jesus, I've heard of Jesus, I think he's a great teacher, I think he's a great prophet, I hold to his teachings, but I don't believe he was God. To that, this argument, it holds a lot of water. This is a very powerful argument. And it goes something like this, that at the core of Jesus' message was that he claimed to be God. And everyone around him claimed him to be God. The early church, like that's what they proclaimed, that Jesus is God. Why? Because he said it. He said he was God. He said it. he and the Father were one. John 1.1, 1, 1, the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Like people around Jesus, Jesus himself claimed to be God. It was the center of his message. And so you can't say he was a great teacher because what he taught was that he's God. And so if you don't say that he was God, well, then the argument, it doesn't make any sense. If he wasn't God, then he would first of all be maybe a liar. Like he knew he wasn't God, but he was going around saying this lie. Would that make, does a liar make a good teacher? No, not at all. Liars make horrible teachers. Don't say you're following a teacher who is a known liar. The core of their message is a lie. So he would either be a liar if he wasn't God, or he would be crazy, a lunatic, keeping with the L theme, that he, he didn't know, but he thought he was, and he was crazy, and he was going around saying that he was God, and he was teaching these things. Would a lunatic make a good prophet teacher? No, say no, say it. No, not at all. And so he, he was either a liar, either a lunatic, or he was who he said he was, which is Lord. And that's really this argument that, that it, it holds a lot of water for someone who says, which I imagine we encounter a lot of people in this day and age who just, especially around Christmas, would say, oh yeah, Jesus was great. He's a good teacher. He's a prophet. I love his teachings. It's so wonderful. Well, well, what about what he taught? And what he taught, the whole message here is that he's claiming to be God himself. So th these two arguments um, 
about the virgin birth. Um, I think about the opposite of the secular humanist Christian that says they just hold to Jesus' teachings, but they don't believe in any of the miracles, any of the miracles uh, and they hold that, that Mary was not a virgin to give birth. The other side of that is something us Protestants uh, often look at our Catholic or Eastern Orthodox or even high Anglican brothers and sisters and kind of just kind of, kind of turn our head and, and wonder if they aren't worshiping Mary. Have you, are you aware of this? Um, that, that many Protestants look on and they say, well, you guys, it just looks like what you're doing is, is worshiping Mary. And I want to give credit to, to them. Like whenever you talk to someone who's Catholic or Orthodox or High Anglican and you ask them, are you guys worshiping Mary? Every one of them that I know that knows what they're talking about, knows the two, true doctrine, they will say, no, no, no. We're not worshiping Mary. What we're doing is venerating and giving her honor. And this is the time of year where we Protestants could say, well, yeah, she's, she's holding God. She is bearing God. But she is not worthy of worship. I know uh, because I know enough people that are in these traditional churches that do not really know the core doctrine or the teachings of the Catholic Catholics or the Orthodox or the High Anglican churches that are much like they fall into this trap of superstition and they move away from the actual church doctrine and they certainly do worship Mary and this is a big mistake. Mary should not be worshipped. She was a human being just like us. She was in need of a savior. This is my point. Look here. It says this in verse 46. This is what Mary says. She begins her Magnificat song with this. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Who's in need of a Savior? Well, Mary. She's in, is she worthy to be worshipped? No, 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 no. She's a human being. She is holding God inside of her, and she needs a Savior. She says it right here. Mary needs a Savior. Your hero needs a Savior. C.S. Lewis, he needs a Savior. Mother Teresa needs a Savior. Your pastor, if that's me, I need a Savior. And I would say that back to you, that all of you myself included, we need a savior. I'll get to a question today. At the end of this sermon, I'll come back to it. It won't involve embarrassing you or having you raise your hand. It'll be a question between you and the Lord. But it's just this question. Are you sure that Jesus is your savior? Have you ever made that choice for yourself? Do you know? Do you have a story of declaring that Jesus is your savior? I'll come back to that question. But now let's move to this third and final point, and it is that uh, this song that Mary sings, the Magnificat, shows us God's ways, which brings us to another nerd alert, nerd alert. (laughs) This word Magnificat is this next poem or song that Mary sings, and I've heard it pronounced five different ways in my days. The Magnificat, the Magnificat, the Magnificat, Cat, the Magnificant, and the Magnificant. I've heard it pronounced all those different ways. I wish I knew which one was the right one. I wish I was a Latin scholar. I think the right one, and you could come up and correct me later if you're a Latin scholar, but I believe the correct, correct, correct is Magnificat. No, I'm getting some people that have no idea. And maybe you've never even heard of this word. 
What this word is, is the Latin of magnify. Because this song starts off with Mary singing, my soul magnifies the Lord. Now what's interesting in this whole birth narrative of, of Mary having this child, angels coming, uh, Zechariah, Mary, and then when they bring the baby Jesus to the temple, is that people continuously bust out into song. It's like a musical. People cannot withhold their joy, and so they just start busting out into song. It's like when me and Jay, opening weekend, we didn't really know what we were getting into. We went to a little show years ago. We went to the mall and played around, and then we went to a movie. It's like a father-son date, and we saw the trailer of this movie that seemed like it was going to be about a snowman and some reindeer, and it was called Frozen, and it turns out that that's probably not the best show for like a little boy and his dad, because it's it, it bust out into song like every, and it's really about two girls but by the end of it we were singing along we loved it it was like a memory for us this uh, let it go let it go you know every little girl like knew that song and I think about like this story Mary busts out into song Zachariah in this same chapter Luke 1 is about to bust out into song the angels in Luke 2 bust out into song and say glory to God in the highest on earth Peace, goodwill to mankind. And then Simeon, when Jesus is brought to the temple, Simeon busts out into a song. And we have no idea what these songs sounded like. And in fact, if we had to be honest, we're not 100% sure they were songs, but they're poems, obviously. They're psalms. They read a whole lot like the psalms of the Old Testament. We have no idea what they sounded like. Many people uh, have put these uh, words, this Mary's song here, into to a tune, the most famous of them being Rachmaninoff and Bach. You can listen to those songs and those choirs singing these words, but it is beautiful. Considering all the passages in the New and Old Testament, this is now one of my favorite. This is a very special passage, especially considering who wrote it, a young teenage girl. So let me say, here's the four movements of this song that Mary sings, and then I'll read it slowly for us for us to observe. First of all, Mary is going to rejoice that she has the privilege to be the Messiah bearer, that the Lord is fulfilling his promises through, I mean, it starts with Adam and Eve, and then it gets into Abraham. It's this Messiah's coming, Messiah's coming, David, Daniel, Messiah's coming, Messiah's coming. And so Mary First and foremost, she thanks and rejoices the Lord that she gets to be a part of this promised Messiah. Number two, she gets into just glorifying, praising God. The third movement here is that she talks about what the world will look like when this Messiah comes. The humble will be raised and the proud and the mighty, they will actually be brought low when this kingdom comes. And the third and final movement of this little song here that I will read is that she... um, uh, just remembers that sh- the Lord is being faithful to the promises of old. It's kind of like tallying back to the front here, talking about the coming Messiah and then specifically mentioning the promise of Abraham. So here it is. Mary, remember this song here? We have no idea how old exactly she is, but assumingly uh, all historical evidence would point to a very young teenager who just knows scripture. So much of what she's about to say is from the Old Testament and either direct quotations or ideas here. So Mary says this. She sees Elizabeth, the Holy Spirit's all over this thing. The babies are leaping in the wombs. And and then Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, 
my Savior. For he has looked on the humble state of his servant. For behold, from now all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. His name is holy and his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud through the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and has exalted the humble estate. He has fulfilled He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Praise the Lord. Consider these words. Consider this story. A young girl with God inside of her womb saying these most beautiful words it's wonderful this brings us to i'm going to try to point out just a few in this passage um, quotations or allusions in this song to old testament scriptures which will kind of bring us to yet another nerd alert nerd alert This song echoes of Miriam. Do you know who Miriam is in the Old Testament? She's the sister of Moses. Good job. And and at the when uh, they escape Egypt and then the 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 waters uh, open up and they rush through it and the waters close back upon the army that's advancing. Miriam pulls out her tambourine and starts singing a song and she starts off with the Lord is my salvation, which sounds very much like what Mary says, right? The Lord, my salvation, my savior. That sounds a whole lot like the song of Hannah. Do you remember Hannah, the mother of little Samuel? Yes, yeah, so she's wanting a child. She is barren. She is crying out to the Lord. She is crying out to the Lord so much so that she's at the temple praying and the priest on duty at the time thinks she's drunk do you know that's like it's like what are you drunk you get out of here woman it's like i'm not drunk i want a child so bad and she calls out and she says lord do not forget your servant remember your servant and what does mary say here well mary says well he has looked on the humble state of his servant so here mary is pulling from these former songs of women who have gone before her she directly quotes psalm 34 my soul magnifies the lord she there's hints of what's going on here uh, about her being exceedingly happy and blessed with leah leah uh, is in the old testament she has Um, a handmaiden and the handmaiden has a baby so it's like increasing her house a baby is added to the household and Leah says I am so blessed I am so happy because the child has been added so she's uh, Mary is quoting some of that she directly quotes Psalm 126 the Lord has done great things for me I could go on and on Psalm 111 the redemption and the covenant of the people of God Psalm 119 about the Lord rebuking the proud again and again and again we see Mary grabbing from Old Testament scripture to write this song, which is just amazing. Like, I don't, uh, I, when I think about like young teenage girls, I think about like uh, Harry Potter and Candy Crush and them spending all their time bullying people on Snapchat. Mary is not doing any of that. Mary must be praying, obeying God, and memorizing large portions of Scripture for her to just sing this song, quoting all of these things. And I think about what a joy it would have been to be around this young woman who was so passionate and knew so much Scripture. I think about our youth 
ministry here, the student ministry that's at New Life Manitou. And I think, well, this is what we do. We, we teach the stories. We learn scripture together. We try to obey God together. And it's so important for young people because here we have an example of a young person, Mary, changing the entire world, being obedient and faithful to the Lord. So this song, if you look at it, um, one thing I want to point out is that it's for you. It's for me. It says this, that all generations, which generations? All of them, including us, will call Mary blessed. Why? Well, because she is giving birth to God. And it goes on to say from generation to generation, the Savior is going to be born. So I bring it back to this question of a Savior. Is Jesus your Savior? Like Mary is calling upon God as his Savior. Do you have a story in your life, this is this question I'm coming back to, of, of this time in your life when you first began trusting in the Lord. I know some of you, it's been a journey. For some of you, it's like a, a moment. For some of you, do you, do you all have a story of knowing that you're trusting in the Lord. Maybe it was a church service like this. I know there's been people who have come down at the end of our church service, as we always do. We, have, we provide a time for prayer here at the altar. And there have been people here in, at New Life Manitou to come down and to pray with me, to give their lives over to the Lord. I was uh, hanging out with John Shellhammer. Where is that? Oh, there he is uh, this week. And he, he told me a story of, of, a, of a mentor in his life that years ago when he was a young pastor, a pastor was in a meeting around a group of chairs and people were going around sharing about their faith journeys and when they first began to trust the Lord. And this pastor was listening to the stories thinking, I don't know if I have a story. I need to trust the Lord. And that was his like moment of like awakening and, and realizing I need the Lord too. That's all of us. Some of us maybe come to church every week and you put a smile on your face and everything's great. Everything's happy. Like what Jeff Nolan alluded to when he was doing the offering moment. Like it's Christmas. It's of course, everyone loves Jesus. But do you? Like have you really trusted Jesus as your Savior, as your God? One last thing I want to point out here uh, before we lead to the table is this, that um, maybe I'll just read it, because what Mary is saying here is what happens when the Lord works. Like if, I think if we come before the Lord proudly, if we come before the Lord with like a little wagon of all of our trophies and accomplishments and we're tugging this thing along of like, look what we've done for the Lord. Look at all these little trophies, these all, all these little medallions. Look at all these awards I've gotten. And we're like, look, Lord, I've done so many great things. What will the Lord say? Well, why don't you leave that up here? And why don't you come and eat with me? And you're like, well, I don't want to leave this stuff behind. These are my trophies. These are my awards. I'm so proud about all this stuff. It's like, why don't you Leave that at the throne and let me be your savior. And to those of us that come humbly, we're broken before the Lord. Lord, save me. Help me. I'm a sinner. What does he do? Well, he lifts them up and says the same thing. Why don't you join me for a meal? Why don't you uh, commune with me and I will be your savior and I will fill you up. Here's what Mary says in this song. He, the Lord, has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and the rich he has sent away empty. Then it gets into this and says, and exalted those of humble estates. He has filled the hungry with good things. So that question is, is the Lord your savior or is your heart open for him to fill you with good things? Are you hungry 
for him, hungry for salvation, then he will fill you. He will um, give you all that you can have for life and redemption and forgiveness. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to pray and then Brett's going to lead us to the table. The band can come forward. So Lord, we, we stand here in your presence in this place faced towards the cross. Lord, we thank you that you are the Lord, that our souls can magnify you because you are our Savior. You are the one who we worship and praise. You are worthy, Lord, of our lives. You, Lord, are the truth. You've come into this world as a small child. You, God, fully God, fully human, come into this world to save us and to redeem us. And Lord, as we head to Christmas, as we head to this communion table, Lord, remind us of these things. Remind us of your goodness, your forgiveness, that you will fill the hungry with good things. Lord, we praise you and worship you this morning.